Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse, Golf Monthly's weekly look at the various different events around the world in golf. This week we look back on a very controversial weekend in New York where Bryson DeChambeau was at the centre of a slow play social media storm. We also hear from three-time major winner Patrick Harrington who shares his short game tips. Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse. My name's Tom Clark and as ever I am joined by Elliot Heath. How are you doing Elliot? Hello Tom, I'm very good thanks. Yeah, how are you? I'm not bad, not bad at all. I uh, had a busy week including uh, playing golf with you for a change. Yeah. How did uh, that go? It was very good. It was at Royal Mid Surrey in Richmond, lovely course and uh, yeah, I thought you played quite well actually. You've got a very very punishing hook shot though occasionally so um, and if it doesn't hook it goes right doesn't it so you're struggling to hit it straight mm, does it I'm not sure that's true actually you I, hit a couple of fairways you hit I, 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 usually hit every, I usually hit everything left yeah my, my, my six over mid wicket so Tom has a very strong left hand grip um, and yeah he likes to hit a big loopy draw and on one hole I I missed the fairway by 10 yards left, I reckon. Mm-hmm. And uh, you missed it slightly further left. So I got my Bushnell out, measured how far away you were, and you were 128 yards away from me. Yeah. Which, by my estimations, meant that you missed the fairway, well, the centre of the fairway, by 150 yards. Yep, yep. Which I've never seen before. I know, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I do hit it into some remarkable spots. But what did you shoot? What did you score on that hole? I got a bogey. Did you? What did I score on that hole? You got a bogey too because you had a very nice lie. I had a very bad lie. I had a lie. very nice lie. Well, you when? must have done. You were on a... <laughs> I was 125 yards away. Not my words, your words. And how did you know what lie I had? You were on like a fairway. Whereas oh, I, was, I, was on a, I was on two holes away on another fairway. I was correct. on the downslope of this horrible mound. Well, you should have hit it in a better place then. It was your own fault. I knew where I was going. Did you like the course though? Yeah, I did. Hang on, let's go back to that hole. So did you get a shot in that hole? Can you remember? I don't know. Yeah, maybe not. Two points, thank you. I, I know, know I came second, though. Yes, choked, didn't you? You uh, had a chance to win. Shot. Were you playing on five? Got 37 points, and that was with a blob on the 16th? 17th. 17th, where you were just you're just wandering from one side of the green to the other, weren't you? You just decided you didn't want to chip onto the green. It was a very happy hole. choke, though. There was no anger involved, was there? Well, that's because <laughs> you teed that one up nicely. It's hard to have any more anger in our group having had Sam Tremlett in there who was having some quite severe anger issues even though he was playing quite well, wasn't he? He threw that premium golf ball into the bushes, <laughs> didn't he? I, I would have had that. I didn't, know he, <laughs> I didn't know he could throw the ball quite so far. He nearly throws it as far as you can drive it, actually, Elliot. But, um, there was a lot of comedy moments on there. So we were also playing with Joel Tadman, who is our equipment writer, and he hit it. One of his drives nearly oh, yeah. to Kew Gardens, didn't he? And yeah, on the Kew Garden train. Yeah, on the land train, taking tourists around Kew Garden. We did have to shout for, so that was quite humorous. And then he put his second one in there as well. So, no, we, we had a good fun, wasn't it? It was a bit of rain about. Um, yeah, lovely club, amazing clubhouse as well. Yeah, absolutely amazing. Yeah, awesome. So, David Taylor as well, we need to mention. Oh, this. yes. David Taylor, who wasn't feeling particularly well on the day, had a hilarious air shot on the first which is a par three so he's hitting an iron took a hit the ball well in, well it didn't hit the ball hit the ground well in advance of the ball jumped over the ball air shot came in with 38 points <laughs> so that just shows it's not all down to the first tee shot is it 
No, David actually blobbed 17 as well, so I don't feel as bad. Yeah, but, uh, well, there you go. There you go. But, but really, no, you should was... have had 39 points. If you have an air shot with your first shot, call it a mulligan. Well, no. We're amongst friends. I, well, colleagues. So, a few friends. <laughs> so, no, that was good fun, wasn't it? No slow play, though. We got round quite quickly, I thought. We did. Three we did. and a half hours, maybe. No, it wasn't too bad. And there's, well, you mentioned slow play. There is a lot of slow play chat that is about to happen. I'm just going to slap on my tea first, though. So, there was a lot of slow play at the weekend. Uh, and the weekend involved one quite big tournament, I suppose. There was the first event of the PJ Tour FedEx playoffs, uh, FedEx Cup playoffs. And it was won by Patrick Reed, who won his seventh PJ Tour title and his first since last year's US Masters. Uh, I was there earlier. Did I mention that? Nice. That was a brilliant performance from Reed in Augusta. It was. And uh, he beat Abraham Anser by one, shooting uh, 269. John Rahm was in the lead, but three bogeys in the back nine left him too shy. Um, Reed is now up to second in the FedEx Cup rankings. He was 50th, and he's nailed on to be uh, in the Tour Championship in uh, a fortnight's time, whatever it is. He's also back up to 15th in the world. Um so really great performance there by Patrick Reed. Yeah, uh, as the commentators say, it wasn't pretty, but he uh, grinded it out, won by a single stroke. Just, yeah, a very good performance from Reed. Back in the winner's circle again, hitting that lovely fade off the tee, which isn't his natural shot. Uh, made some really good clutch tee shots. Yeah, I thought it was, um, like you said last week, a bit, bit of a dull course. The only really exciting thing about it was the skyline and yeah. that fire um, ship that they kept showing in the boat in on the, the water. river. Just really, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's it has got spectacular views, and I, you know, it's not a, it's not the worst course. Well, I mean, they've got those they've got quite heavy rough around the greens and stuff like that. Uh, it just doesn't, for whatever reason, seem to create great tournaments. I don't you know, know why. Also, with it being in New York, well, it's New Jersey, isn't it, actually? But I didn't think the crowds were very big and it didn't look a great atmosphere. It just... It, it exuded boringness, if that's the word. <laughs> I'm not sure it is, but, well, we'll, we'll use it. Um, you know what I mean. Yeah. But it's, all, it's just odd, isn't it, the playoffs anyway? Um, it's all a bit forced fun. It's all a bit forced everything, really. And if you look at the FedEx Cup points now... Um, Reed is now above Rory McIlroy. Pat Reed has had one win this year and four top tens. Rory's had two wins, including the players, and uh, thirteen top tens. So it is all a bit forced fun. It they tweak around with the points at this end of the season um, to try and make it more exciting. Come the final final round, uh, the final tournament. So also uh, Abraham Answer moved from sixty seventh to eighth with the second place finish. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah, but it is. But as I say, it's, it's false fun. And I really think with the the playoffs, I think they're missing a trick with it. That they've got the hundred and twenty fifth in, hundred twenty five in the in the field, wasn't there last yeah. week? Yeah. So you've got that. Why not make everyone play all the events, and then you say actually at the end of that end of the playoff end of the rankings bit is the end of the season, and then these playoffs you start with a clean sheet, and everyone starts, you know. With a, with a with a blank sheet of paper, everyone starts at naught points, and it's how well you play over the the next three tournaments or however many tournaments it is that then you go from there. If you think about the playoffs in football, 
So, for example, you have a huge league season, but then at the end of the league season, especially if you're in the championship and you finish second and or sixth, um, you just play each other. And it doesn't matter whether you finish second or sixth, you both start nil-nil again. And I think that would be much more interesting because it isn't right how how it's happened like this. Um, and it will make a big, big difference come come the tour championship. What do you think of that idea? I didn't really understand it, if I'm being honest with you. <laughs> OK. You are, you are quite hard work sometimes, Ali, aren't you? So at the end of the PJ Tour season, which was uh, two Sundays ago, yeah? Yeah. There's... A hot top 125 go into the playoffs. That's far too many, don't you think? Well, that's what's happening at the moment. Yeah. But everyone's starting from don't scratch Don't just nod again. your head. We're, on, we're doing a podcast. You have to just actually speak. Yeah. So, so at the moment, I'm saying you could keep that. But then instead of having this new system where there's suddenly a huge amount of points for the FedEx Cup playoff events. And then you have this situation where Reed is suddenly above... Rory McIlroy stuff like that that's fine if you're going to do that but let's just all start from scratch so then you've had a really good season you've got your season you've got into this nice end of season bit with the playoffs now it's time to really pick it up and show us who deserves to win the cup I like that idea but maybe you can still do a money list you can still have an award for the money list at the end of the regular season as it were Um, so you can still give a, a proper award for whoever's going to win the money list and then you have this extra bit of excitement which is the playoffs because at the moment it just doesn't work does it not at all no but I like that idea but maybe with like 10 players like they do with the tennis don't they have the the world finals 10 players that would be so boring or match play you could do there's loads of different ways you could do it or just do it how the European tour do it where it's quite pure and down to the final event there's only two people that can win it or three people it's not as exciting though is it well, this is last year. I, mean, I guess this will be exciting. last year. It wasn't exciting. I know two people could win it, but one had to finish dead last, and one had to win it. When you have got Kevin Nar needing par par for fifteen million in a couple of weeks, I guess that will be quite a good watch. I, I don't know what you mean by that. Well, you know, any randomer could win, couldn't they? And with but the, that has happened. It's already prize... happened. Bill Hass has won the FedEx Cup. Billy Horshaw has won the FedEx Cup, which is entertaining, but to a degree. But it's they're not. not but they, they're supposed to go. To, at the moment, they're saying it's the best golfer for the season and at the moment it doesn't work like that how it's it the, should be it's right. the best golfer who plays the best for the last few events right now there should only be two people within a shout of winning and that should be Kepka and McElroy that's yeah. how it should be so anything else than that it's just Mickey Mouse isn't it just contrived fun that's uh, that's exactly my yeah. point you're, you're, that's, that's exactly what I've just been saying so I just think that they could there is better ways of doing it than this you know, you could make it into... I don't know, however however you wanted to do it. You could do it match play or whatever. But I think there's better ways that, that, that they could do it. And it it is can be quite entertaining. Last year's Tour Championship was entertaining. Tiger winning and Rose holding on to win the, the FedEx Cup and all that. We've had it before with Rory winning from miles back. Um, there was also... When, when did Luke Donald win? Was that when Bill Haas? No, Luke Donald didn't win. Oh, yeah, so, so Luke Donald had, should have won, but didn't because I think a Bill House won the Tour Championship. I may have made that up. I think that was when Furyk won in the rain at oh. Eastlake. Well, I guess they all went at Eastlake, but... Yeah. Um, it, yeah. Look, it's, at the moment, there's too much down to these last few tournaments. They could do this and just say, look, this is the last three things. It's the FedEx Cup playoffs finale, whatever you want to call it. There's loads of money up for grabs, loads of world ranking points, and you'll get crowned something or other. 
But I think that golf is in a very bad spot at the moment. I don't want to be neg- too negative because... Not we, like you to be negative. We are here to celebrate the great game of golf. But this is one of the PJ Tour's flagship events or whatever. It's the first week of the FedEx Cup playoffs. And it was really boring. <laughs> like I, <laughs> I was at home with my girlfriend all week, basically. And every time I put it on, I felt bad. I had to turn it straight off. Like, it was just dull. Yeah, it was done, and I think it's the course which which does that. Unfortunately, it has got a dramatic skyline. I'd like to play it, but um, the tournament wasn't the best. And that some, but that sometimes happens in golf, doesn't it? And actually, it was quite exciting because with nine, nine, nine hours to go, you didn't weren't really sure who's going to win. So I don't know why it just it was a bit of a grind, wasn't it? No one really really went out there and won it. Reed just played solid enough, didn't he? And a few others just fell away. Well, maybe it is just so dull because it's so slow. That- Maybe that was what it is. Yes, and so let's talk about slow play because we need to talk about it. That, I mean, Reed winning was not the big story. It was all about Bryson DeChambeau. Uh, and following DeChambeau taking uh, two and a half hours to make a putt or whatever it was, uh, the PJ Tour have now said it's reviewing its policy on slow play. There has been a huge amount of comment on this. Um, yes, yeah, so over two and a half million views on that video. Yeah. Uh, just yeah, it's, it's a, so there's been clashes already, um, and the one that I think we're going to just see where this all starts, really. So the Shamo and Kupka have already had words about this. I think they've also had clear the air talks as well. But we're going to listen to some audio that, that we got from Kupka at in Saudi Arabia uh, nearer the start of the year, where he was chatting about Bryson DeChambeau and slow play. I, I just don't understand how it takes a minute and. 20 seconds or a minute and 15 to hit a golf ball it's not that hard um it's always between two clubs um you know it was a miss short it was a miss long and uh it really it really it really drives me nuts especially when it's a long hitter because you know you've got two other guys or at least one guy's hitting before you so you can do all your calculations um you should have your numbers um you know obviously if you're the first guy you, you know it might take 10 extra seconds um but it doesn't take that long to hit the ball um, especially you know if it's not blowing 30 um, if it's blowing 30, I understand, you know, yeah. taking a minute, taking some extra time and, you know, with some gusts, you know, changing just slightly, I get that, but it's a calm day. I mean, there's no excuse. Guys are already so slow. It's, um, it's kind of embarrassing. I just don't get why you enforce some things and don't enforce others. So there was Kupka talking about DeShambo and about slow play in general. And, um, that can't, that audio that we got really did go quite uh, quite huge around around the world. The Golf Channel gave me a ring and said, could they use it? And we said, yes, absolutely. There you go. Go and use it. Um, and it was quite fiery comments from Kupka at the time. And we thought, oh, you know, he's, he's probably pretty pretty right here that the Shambo is taking a bit of slow, pl- slow uh, taking far too much time to, to hit shots and other players as well. But this week, it just went to another level. And you did say it was quite boring and... If anyone has seen the video of DeChambeau taking two minutes to hit an eight-foot putt, which he also then missed, um, it's not great for golf, and it's not going to get anyone into golf. It's certainly not going to get anyone to go and watch any golf. Um, there were some then comments. What did Eddie Pepper say? Uh, it, it was the word twit, but there was some other bits as well. But yeah, yeah. he called him a twit. He more or less called him a, a self, a single-minded twit. Yes, which he's now apologised for. Which he has for. now apologised for. And DeChambeau then has also come out and given a, an explanation about slow play, saying he's trying to entertain the crowd and he's got a big, 
he's got big shots. If he's got a big shot, he's going to take a lot of time over it, and um, which he's being ridiculed for, really, because anyone can see, anyone with half a mind can actually see that actually what he's doing is is turning people away from the game and not getting people into it. Um, I mean, this is going to rumble on and on, isn't it? And PJ Tour reviewing its policy on slow play, are they actually going to give penalties? Well, they're saying that they're going to look into every group, not just groups that are on the clock, which is good, I guess. Basically, this is just... a. Essentially, it's a storm in a teacup, like every social media storm, and it just blows over. So the PGA Tour, to actually act, and maybe something good to come from this would be good. I don't think it is just social media, though. I know you've said you, you think it is just on social media, but it's not. It, they were talking about it on TV. Yeah, via social media, because somebody... But they were also talking about it on TV anyway. Now, it may be that it, got hi- it did get highlighted on social media, but it's not just... You know, it's not just being chatted about on social media. That's what I'm trying to say. It's being chatted about in mainstream media. It's in every sport paper, every sport section of every website. It's being mentioned about on Sky Sports News, not just the golf channels. That's what I'm trying to say. Because yeah. it was really, <laughs> really embarrassing. During their FedEx Cup playoffs as well, today on the website, no one gives a damn about Patrick Reed. The story is Bryson DeChambeau. Which is which is taking you know someone's success that they've done and played well and won, especially a US Masters champion, and no one really cares about it because actually everyone's interested about what on earth are pro tours doing about slow play, and what do you think that they should be doing, Elliot? Uh, I've got some points here for you, Tom. That's why I just teed you up there, mate. Come on, um, open goal. Let's get on with it. Right. No slow plays here. Let's let's carry on. So Deshambo's group on day one and two took four four hours fifty minutes, which uh, I'd say is probably standard. What, for the first or second for all eighteen holes. Um, so what we need to be doing is setting an average time per hole, like they do on scorecards at the club level, and you need a referee or a volunteer to walk around with each group and be like, right, guys, we've got 11 minutes on this hole, and as soon as you get to, like, seven minutes, be like, right, four minutes left, guys, just to keep the holes moving that way. Because even if you get it down to four and a half hours... It's I don't think enough. that works in the slightest. Of course it does. Because if you've got one slow player, then then everybody gets penalised. If there is going to be a penalty. I, mean, I don't know if you've got to a penalty yet or not. No. How would you deal with that? Uh, yeah, penalty shots. To, ev- to all everybody in the group? Uh, no, because as soon as the group is on the clock, the players then start getting timed, don't they? I, I don't know, you haven't mentioned anything about Well, that's the, the current rule as it stands. Also, we need to allow laser rangefinders. Okay, allow ra- laser rangefinders. This is a more practical... Let's move with technology. Come on, the caddies can get their Bushnell sponsorships, they can get their Nikon deals and all that. And DeChambeau, on that part on the eighth hole, was saying... Why it took so long is because the green reading book or something said it was going to break four inches. Just get rid of the green reading books. I know it might sink the company that makes them and that's what the RNA don't want to do or something, but it's ruining the game. We don't play with the green reading books, do we? Don't. And I was holding everything without a green reading book, so mm, it just proves you don't I can't need remember f- you holding one putt, but go on. Uh, no, I didn't hold a single putt. But, you know, good putters, they don't need a green reading book and that will... Um, Definitely speed things up. Buggy shuttles on these long hilly courses. If there's a 300-yard walk to to the uh, fairway, just shuttle them down there. 
make it better for TV viewers, and then Ready Golf. The RNA actively encourage that. We play Ready Golf, don't we? Mm-hmm. In social and competitive golf now. I think most. I think most people now do. To be honest, yeah. Because when we were at the Open, I was watching notoriously slow Patrick Cantley and Lucas Glover. And, yeah, you could just tell how slow they were. Around the greens especially. Like, marking their balls, walking, like, 360 around the hole, just doing all this stuff. And fair enough, they're playing for a lot of money, but that's what they need to get out of. I think uh, laser rangefinders, I think, is something that maybe should just happen. Um, I think that would that would really speed up play, I think. Um, and if you've got... If you have not got a green reader book... You're not going to spend two minutes reading part, are you? No. You're going to look but, at it. For well, I don't understand where green reading books ever even came from. I know. They just seem to appear, didn't they? So that is also an odd one. Shuttles, buggy shuttles, I, I really disagree with, to be honest with you. I don't mind them on playoff holes if uh, you've got to get from the green back to the tee and also in the case of if you've lost your ball out of bounds and you didn't realise or you've lost your ball and you've got to hit another ball, I think people could be shuttled back in those situations um, but I, I think we still want players to walk the course I think Barry Doyle on Facebook said Hello, uh, Barry. that he would love a take on Bryson's slow play and pacing out a 70 yard pitch did you see that yeah he calls that disgraceful even with the laser range runner that's not going to stop people pacing things out because you might be wanting you might not be able to see things you might want to pace it out to the to a certain spot like the front of a green or that's what your practice rounds for well, I know, but you can't pace that every single bit from every angle, can you? If you're if you're offline and you're behind a tree on another fairway, say I'm playing and I've snapped hooked another one two fairways away, it does happen. And you, you know you're not going to have a yardage from there, are you? You don't expect to be there. Ah, which is why the laser rangefinder would help. Well, yes, that's what I'm, well, yes, that's what I'm saying. But for example, you might not be able to see exactly where you're trying to hit it. That's what I'm saying, but this would, that would only be happen very very rarely, I think. So, but then get, give the caddies a GPS watch or something so they know what it is to the front. Or... No, but they wouldn't. They never do that. They pace it out. They're always going to pace it out. Sorry, Simon Rowney as well on Facebook, who is a top fan, um, basically said, "What would an effective deterrent to slow play look like, and how would it be?" So that's that's what I say. So you've given five options there, but I don't think you've actually given a proper reason why people would do this. And I that did is, on set average hold times. Set average... No, no, no. You said, right, this is what you need to do. Set average hold times. You need to lay, laser range finders, blah, 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 blah. But what is the penalty? That's what we need. We need some proper penalties in place. It needs to be shots. It needs to be... You know, it's got to be shots. Yeah, of course. It can't be money. I don't think money would actually stop help at all. I think it's got to be proper things that will really hurt them and the only thing which will really hurt them is their position in the tournament and if it means that they fall out of a top 10 or or win so how many shots what, what should be the penalty one shot I think per what for a bad t- if your group is out of position as it already is no I don't, I don't see let's not talk about groups let's talk about individuals not about out, don't, don't use this old language of out of position and on the clock if if DeChambeau takes two minutes, or if anybody... Let's give Bryson DeChambeau a break here. Anyone takes too long to hit a putt, takes two minutes to help to, to take a putt, what's the penalty? Um, is it a shot or is it a warning? Well, this, well, well, that's it. Is it the first one a warning? Is it a, like a yellow card? I, oh, think I like the yellow and red card situation. 
I think I think they should be given a very clear warning saying that you've taken far too long on that shot. If you do that again, you will be given a shot penalty. And every other incident after that will be another shot. Yeah. There is already... It's already only supposed to take 40 seconds. Now, I think... Is that correct, yeah? Yeah. So, and that's from... It's, from the it's your it's your turn to go as it were yeah if you're first to play it's 50 second third it's 40 yeah so they've got those timings in there but what is the point of those times at the moment they don't do anything about it and that putt for the shambos was ridiculous it was it was twice as long as it should have been and three times as long as it should have been so it's just it does just does my nut in and i think a lot of other golf fans out there that there's clear breach of rules happening but no one actually doing anything about it do you empathise with Shambo? no and feel sorry for him at all not in the slightest no no he knows what he's doing he knows what he's doing so do you think he's been cheating no I don't, no cheating do you think it's former cheating no was? I don't think he's cheating no, no? I think it's uh, it might be a bit of gamesmanship here and there but I really don't think he thinks like that I think he, he I think he's Intentions are that he's trying to do his best to get the ball in the hole as in as few shots as possible, which is obviously the whole point of golf. But he's just going about it in too much of the wrong way. We love his science stuff. We love all that. We love that he looks at the game from a different point of view. We love all that. That's great. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's the thing about golf. It's great that you can look at it from different angles and still it still works. But this is just going too far. And there's only one way to stop it. PGA Tour, European Tour, start branching yellow and red cards or whatever you want to do um, and start having effect on the scoreboard. I do like red and yellow cards. Oh, what else could we do? Is similar to rugby, we could put them in the sin bin and be like, sorry, mate, you're missing that hole and they have to walk the hole and they get put down for a bogey. Ah, uh, that's interesting. I'm not sure. That'd be I'd, cool, wouldn't it? I'm not sure I'd completely agree with that. I do, do you know what? I don't, I don't think that would work. Say so, okay, okay. Here's a, here's a, here's why that wouldn't work. Because say you're on the seventeenth. Sorry, you're on the seventeenth tee, and you're leading the open by three shots. I know what you're going to say, and, and that then you go. Actually, you know what? I'll take bogey, bogey. I'll win the. I'll win the. the that's unsporting behaviour, and unsporting behaviour is a triple bogey. <laughs> but yeah, Who, you, who's, who's making the rules up here? There's a lot of oh, it's unsporting behaviour. But yeah, you can't have a shot clock on every player because no, you, the no, European the Tour did it. You don't have it. a shot. You don't actually have a shot clock. You have. They have how many people following them around? Yeah, actually loads. loads. Most of the groups have refs, and as I say, I think you just have a. You just look. There's going to be people who take forty-one seconds to do a shot. There's no problem with that because they they'll do forty-one seconds, and then the next one they do thirty seconds or something like that. It's the guys who just who are clearly taking too long who are blatantly going over the 40-second mark by a way, way too much. There's always rules, incidents and stuff like that, which take time. You can't do anything like that. But it's got to be, when it's your turn to go, and you are all set, you know, you're ready to go, just get on with it. Should you should, should It would speed up play so much, wouldn't it? Yeah, but uh, as Adam Scott said earlier this year, Nothing's going to happen until sponsorships and TV companies start taking away money. So I, I, I don't really think much is going to change. Albeit this has been a massive thing, but will anything come from it? I don't know. Well, I think there is one way to do it, and that is that the, the tours need to realise that they can they can actually make a difference here. And um, 
and you know if they start taking putting proper shot penalties when's the only there's only one time I can ever remember a player getting a shot penalty when was that at the 2013 Masters when who got it Guan Tiang Lang yeah a 14 year old or whatever he was at the Masters is the only person to ever get a penalty for slow play but they don't do what? stroke penalties that must just be a Masters thing it's, it's fines uh, players I do know, get fines what a disgrace that is that is a disgrace. Bully the the kid. No, I mean, he's probably over it. He probably deserved it. Oh, I don't what no one else does. I that, don't know in that particular instance. Well, we but know, but we know over the years that they happens. Bullying is a very harsh statement, though, Tom. Well, I know it's quite clear that's what happened. So you reckon? Yeah. Why would they bully you? Because they don't care. Well, you know, it was if he was being slow, then and he and he needed a penalty, then he should be given a penalty. But that wasn't that the same year that Tiger got away with a blatant bit of putting down the wrong score and they changed the rule for that yeah exactly it's just one rule for one one rule for another so just golf come on sort it out you can do it should we move on or is there anything else you want to talk about um no i don't think there's anything <laughs> cool there was another big thing to talk about at the at the weekend which is would usually be the big story and that was tiger woods withdrawal from the event uh, he had a mild oblique strain that led to pain and stiffness, apparently. Uh, and he had to withdraw from the Northern Trust. Um, this means that he looks like he... Well, we don't know what's happening, whether he's going to play this week or not um, at the BMW Championship. If he doesn't play at the BMW Championship, it means that he will not be in the Tour Championship, which, of course, he won last year. Uh, he's currently 38th on the FedEx Cup rankings and he would need to be in the top 30. Now, Elliot, I don't know about you, but I think Tiger should get on one of his many planes or boats and travel to the Caribbean or wherever he likes to chill and have a sleep for a month or so. Yeah, he's gone, isn't he? He's not gone. I mean, for the time being, he's, he's gone. Go- I mean, what kind of comment is that? He's gone. He won the Masters in April. Yeah. He's knackered. He's maybe a little bit injured. Exactly. We, he turned, we, knew, we knew he was injured at Port Rush. He was walking around like... He turned up like to the Open like a zombie. Yeah. He, he, he was walking around like he had, I don't know, a, a broom up his... I don't know, up his shirt. Uh, and it's... Yeah, he needs to just relax. You know, I know he he wants to try and defend the title that he won last year, and obviously that made a, meant a lot to him. And who can forget all the crowds and the that last few holes with the, everyone going mental that he was going to win again. Um, but he needs to also look after his body. He keeps on saying, oh, I need to listen to my body a bit more, and he's just got to go and relax. He's got lots of other things to do this year. He's captain of the President's Cup, for example. Um and he's got that to sort out. And I just playing in Japan as well. Yeah, well, exactly. He's in got, mid-October. Yeah, so let's. why does not just have a month off? You're not going to... Even if you play this week, I don't think you're going to play very well. Because uh, I, I can't see how he can... No, he's got absolutely zero chance of winning the FedEx Cup. So just leave it. And do you think it's not an oblique thing, is it? Which is like just blow your ribs or something. It's obviously just an ongoing issue. That I don't, I don't, well, there's no proof of that, really. That's your hearsay. He's maybe hiding other factors with his injuries and his fitness, but we knew that was already happening already. But I do really think he should need a bit of time off, go and relax. Uh, you know, he's had the a most amazing year. We, we, you know, he's he's had a few issues the last couple of months, but he won another major this year and you know, won the best sporting comebacks in history. So 
let's not uh, sour that by then having a really bad end of the year and getting badly injured and not being able to play in the Masters next year. Would you agree? Yes. Right. Moving on to this week, we have the BMW Championship, uh, which is at Medina. Of course, the scene of Europe's 2012 Ryder Cup comeback. The only top 70 are, are playing, with only the 30 best after this week going on to the Tour Championship at East Lake. Uh, last year in the BMW Championship, Keegan Bradley beat Justin Rose in a playoff, but Rose did become world number one for the first time. So, first time that a lot of these players have been back at Medina since that incredible 2012 Ryder Cup comeback. Do you think it's going to be then a European winner or an American winner this week? <laughs> no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's the kind of insight that our podcast yeah. listeners are really looking forward. I'm looking forward to seeing Poltz back. Poltz has been playing that well. Stomping ground. He's still got that shape of putter. See, that this, he had this, there. this is. See, there we go. We have got some insight here, Elliot. So Poltz, obviously, that really led the Europe's fight back back on that Saturday night. Uh, I was at a, I was at a golf hotel in Essex, which I won't name because there was a a wedding taking place where there's a huge fight in the middle of it whilst I was trying to watch the Ryder Cup. Really? I was not invited to the wedding, can I say, or I didn't know anyone at the wedding. Uh, so that was exciting. Um, but Poulter, he's he's surely going to be one that's going to be really up for being back at Medina, and he's playing really well again. So he's got a great chance to make the Tour Championship. Has he actually made the Tour Championship before? Uh, if he has, it's not been for a while, mate. No, not for a while. So, uh, go on then, who are you? Well, I think Rose, Rose is one that's... I mean, who could forget that putt on 17 when he beat Mickelson? And I also think McElroy, who's just playing so solid, always in the top five. Those are the three that I think could really do well. Um, But there's a lot of Americans playing great golf as well, aren't there? Um, For some reason, I think Patrick Reed might not have another good week, actually. He's been so out of form the last 18 months. I'm really annoyed I didn't tip him last week because I've been tipping him quite often recently. Um, so I do wonder whether Reed will actually see this as a great chance to win uh, the FedEx Cup. You know, if he has another good week this week, then actually he's going to be—is he going to be at the top of the rank? He's going to be very close, isn't he? Oh, he easily would, I think. And with the new rules, so going to the Tour Championship, whoever leads the FedEx Cup uh, ranking actually gets a gets some strokes in a, ahead of the rest of the field, don't they? Yeah, like we said earlier, a little bit Mickey Mouse, but I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be. I think that could be quite exciting. Very new, isn't it? Yeah, and you're going to know exactly what's happening from just looking at the leaderboard without having to have a calculator uh, <laughs> and trying to work out exactly who's winning points and stuff like that. Um, I think yeah, I think there could be, could be some really good things. Keegan Bradley, of course, um, won the BMW Championship last year and. Keegan Bradley and Mickelson had a huge, a really uh, formidable partnership um, at Medina. Bradley did lose to McElroy, if I remember rightly, in the singles on there, but he played very well at that course. And I wonder, is he even is he in the field this week? He must be, isn't he? He's in the top seventy, I think. I don't know. Actually. Well, we'll have to check, but uh, I do think he's one of the guys that will do well. It did suit. From what I can remember at the Ryder Cup, the big hitters, so Cook and DJ as well, I think are ones to look out for. Other than that, we've got the Czech Masters at the Albatross Golf Resort. Andrea Pavan beat Patrick Harrington there last year. Obviously not as big a field as the BMW Championship. Anyone caught your eye at the Czech Masters, Elliot? 
past champion Thomas Peters, maybe. Yeah. Getting some form back. So Ernie Els is in the field. Yeah. I don't think Ernie Els is going to win, but the one guy who I think might do well is Bernd Wiesberger. Um, he's obviously playing very well recently. I, I think he'll probably be the favourite. So that's great. Now, last year, obviously, Pavan beat Harrington uh, in a playoff. Yes? Yeah. No, uh, sorry, no. He just, On a back nine duel. A uh, back nine duel, sorry. And, um, but Harrington obviously did put in some great form at that point. And we've got some audio now from Harrington about some short game tips, which should be really fascinating for you guys. Yeah, absolutely. You can prepare for pressure. Lots of, lots of ways and how. You, you see it more and more now. It's uh, players practice. It's more about performance practice, performance coaching than, than you know technical coaching. So it's it's always having a measure, putting some pressure on in practice, uh, gambling. You know, I grew up, we played for a bottle of Coke, a golf ball, a plate of chips, whatever. That's, you know, when there's something on the line, you concentrate on getting it done rather than how you're getting it done. So there, there is many ways to prepare for pressure, but I think the very first and the golden rule is to acknowledge that there is pressure and to understand that every time you feel pressure, you're somewhere you want to be. Never had a technical swing thought in my life on the golf course. Never, when I say that, I've never played with technical thoughts. I've never played with swing thoughts. I always, well, since 1997, I read golf is not a game of perfect. And ever since then, I just play with trying to focus on the target. Some days I'm not so good at it. Some days I'm very good at it. You know, on the range, you have to be into your target if you're going to go and play and you have to try and match that up with how much technical practice you do. So I would not try to do any technical practice at a tournament. So all, all mental practice. I often have drills and things like that so that if I do want to work on something on my golf swing, I would use a drill so that I don't have to think about it, that the drill is, is instilling the move, uh, but I'm not physically, consciously getting into my left brain to, to actually work it out. If you're a decent player, the best practice is competing against somebody else. You know, having a match for, for whatever, whether it's a forfeit or it's actual a physical prize, money-wise or whatever. Uh, definitely tipping a bucket of balls out and hitting them from the one spot is actually counterproductive. If you want to work on your technique and sometimes, you know, you might go to the practice ground and you might hit the initial you might hit 20 or 30 balls working on your technique and then you start moving around hitting the different shots technically wise yeah you know strange i, I really have never worked on my technique with my chipping it's, it's much more of a mental battle for me the only thing I, I would say to amateurs is to make sure that they're set 90 percent of their weight on their left side and that that club is hitting the ground left of the golf ball most amateurs you see will start brushing the grass six, eight inches behind the ball and their practice swings, especially when they should be trying to brush it a couple of inches left of the ball uh, in their practice swings and that will get into their main swing. So just, they've got to continually push the ball, push their practice swings forward, 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 uh, so that when they go and hit it for real, uh, they hit the ball first and not the, the ground. A lot of amateurs you see, as they're coming into impact, their weight is moving into their right side, they're pinching their right, the right rib cage and they're basically falling back lifting it in the air which is causing the club to shallow out you know six eight inches behind the ball and that's why their knees and their hands get active whereas if they were posted up on the left hand side all the way over on their left hand leg their their arms and hands will come back neutral so they can be as active as you like 
so really for me, it's all mental in the short game, except you must get your sternum, get your weight onto the left hand, onto your left foot, if you're a right-handed golfer, and, and keep it there. Don't allow it to drift back onto the right side. For me, it's, it's a combination, a little bit of a combination of both. I want to make sure that I'm lined up correctly. Uh, so some sort of alignment device, uh, whether that's a mirror or, 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 or even a caddy who can tell you, yeah, you're lined up right. Uh, align on the ball, get your alignment right. Once you're comfortable with that, it's about just hitting putts, just getting around, hitting those putts and, and different putts, not hitting the same putt over and over. So get your alignment by, you know, hitting whatever 10 putts that you know are lined up correctly and then start hitting all varied lengths of putts uh, just working on on your feel and your pace uh, for most amateurs pace is far more important is the most important thing like I, I, in pro-ams it is like a nightmare trying to read putts for my amateur partners because they just they end up they hit the ball three feet by the hole and they think they hit it at the right pace they don't realise that that's it's like you're virtually impossible to hold your putts doing that. That, you know, leaving the odd put short is not a bad thing. You'll end up holding more putts by leaving the odd put short. Always trying to be up will cause you to miss more and choke more if you're hitting the putt three feet harder than the right pace. A lot of times the people struggle with that 80 yards, 70 yards, 60 yards. They're generally trying to hit just because you hit lab wedge 90 yards once in your life doesn't mean you hit your lab wedge 90 yards. You know, sometimes they're trying to hit it too hard and they're getting too deep a divot, too, you know, digging too much. So yeah, you, you've got to smooth out that swing. It's, it's, it's not about swinging your, your wedges hard, that's for sure. Uh, once you figure that out and you're not digging too hard, you know, making too hard a swing and getting that big deep divot, outside of that, it is literally dropping balls at different distances so you know for chipping for pitching I would go with I'd play five balls from 60 yards 70 yards 80 yards 90 yards to your target uh, and see how many you get inside whatever your distance is you know for me that would be I would when I'm practicing I'd probably trying to get them inside nine feet uh, you know for an amateur you might pick 15 or 20 feet and you know that's 20 balls and if say you, your first time you get six well you know, if you keep doing it, you'll end up, you know, getting 12, 13, 14. And once you advance to the next stage, you can go 20 balls randomly from 60 to 90 yards. So just get a random number generator. And so you might go 77, 63, 66, 82. I was going 60 to 90, yeah. So you just throw in random numbers and you try and beat your stock score with your random score. Uh, but for amateurs, I'm sorry, really is they've got to go and hit a few more pitch shots and know how far they hit them. It, there's, there's no, once you're getting a good strike after that, it, it is repetition on, on experience that, you know, my lob wedge out of rough, I lose 10 yards with it. That I don't really hit my lob wedge 90 yards, even though it went 90 one year when it was very sunny and it bounced forward on a, and it was actually five mile an hour downwind. And, and you know what, it does, you know, you've got to, practice it to know what the different conditions do and there's no substitute when it comes to wedges for hitting more and more uh, measured practice shots. I have certain putting drills I want to do. I like chipping uh, but at the moment I'm not my bunker shots I'm normally bunker play is my best part of my game. My bunker play is not great at the moment.
So I've upped, upped the amount of practice I'm doing. I'm doing a lot more practice in my bunker play. Whereas when it's really good, I do very, I'll, I'll ease off it uh, and spend more time on other parts. So it really comes down to where you feel your weaknesses are. What you, what you, so uh, anybody who wants to measure practice in time spent, number of balls hit, or even in percentages, they're going down the wrong road. You've got to measure it in, you know, what do I need to work on and did I do quality performance practice? Did I go out there and measure what I'm doing? Have I got a standard that I'm trying to beat, always trying to beat something? And, uh, you know, that's far more effective than, you know, somebody coming and saying, I hit a thousand golf balls a day. That's, that's rubbish. Uh, it's not going to do you any good. Or I, or I spend an, five hours practicing a day. That ain't going to do you any good. It's, it's about the quality of what you're doing. Uh, and with experience, you will learn what parts you need to work on. And there's no doubt the biggest failing you see with a good player in practice is they tend to always practice the things they're good at. Which, you know, it might have got them there, but you've got to understand that if you're the straightest driver on tour, with practicing that more to gain in 1%, if you are, is not going to do you that much, give you that much benefit in your scoring. Whereas, probably if you're straightest driver in the tour, you're probably, which is likely, you're not the best chipper on tour. And practicing that, you could get a, a 10% improvement in that quite easily. And that would be a, a huge benefit to you. So, uh, yeah, we see that in good players, that they, we're all caught in the failing of practicing things we like doing rather than practicing uh, what we need to work on. And that's, again, why sometimes a performance coach can be a benefit because he's selecting what you're doing and pushing you more into your, into your weaknesses without hopefully weakening your strengths. Trust and confidence in you, it, it brings everything out in your golf swing. Uh, leads to good rhythm, leads to a good uh, you know, changeover. If you're looking for a technical move, you know, it doesn't matter how good your golf swing is, if you don't have confidence, which leads to rhythm, which leads to balance. If I was going to say a lot of the good ball strikers get the club face strong in the downswing, so they bow their left wrist. In either they get a bow at the top of the backswing or they, get, or they bow it in transition coming down. And once the club face is strong or shut, then they have to clear. So yeah, I think that transition where it gets the club face strong in, in you know, it's a good transition, ultimately determines a good strike. Uh, but that good transition definitely nowadays is a very strong club face. Uh, I don't. It doesn't really matter whether you, it, it. It doesn't matter whether you put it there. But everybody, the good players, bow the wrist down slightly as they come in, as they start down their downswing. So it is, in the end of the day, transition is the most important thing for a good strike. Uh, no doubt about it. But confidence leads to that. Lack of practice leads to that. Believe it. For a good player. The more you practice, the more you lose that rhythm and change over. The less you practice, the more smooth swinging you are in that situation. Uh, but if you were looking for technical things, yeah, you're, you're, you're looking for that uh, good transition, uh, you know. If, if I was to come off the golf course and say that was not my best ball striking day, I would feel, I would like to believe 
I would look at my mental game as the first point of why I didn't have a good ball striking day. So I, was I quick? Was I, you know, getting quick because I was not focused, not going through my routine? So yeah, it would be a mental issue first and foremost. Over time, it, 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 we have a very strange thing in golf. The majority of us are trying to correct our mental errors with, with a technical swing. And, and, you know, it's nice to have a great golf swing, but a great golf swing will not overcome a mental error, where a mental error will always overcome a bad golf swing. So, you know, sorry, a mental focus, yeah, mental good focus will always overcome a bad golf swing. So there you go. Do you think you could learn a thing or two from Hampton's short game tips? Yeah, absolute wizard, isn't he? Never been the best ball striker, but he knows how to get it in the hole. Yeah, he's someone who probably doesn't use green reading books, I would say. He, uh, he's one that can always eye up a putt and kind of knows how to read it. I don't know how he does it. There's just players out there, aren't there, that just can, can see a slope and know exactly what's going to happen. I always remember Ross Fisher saying when he was playing with Harrington at the 2010 World Cup at Kelty Manor, he was saying... I played so well, but I had Harrington reading every putt for me. It was just ridiculous. He told me exactly where to hit it, and everyone went in. So Nice, I could uh, do with that. <laughs> exactly. Should we invite him round? Next yeah. time we're playing, we might hold a yeah. few more points. Um, one other announcement, the Solheim Cup team, uh, which is uh, the Solheim Cup is taking place at Glen Eagles this year, and the European team has been announced, and there's been a bit of a shock, hasn't there? Yeah, big shock, actually. You can say what it is? Yeah, so um, Katrina Matthew picks Suzanne Pettersen, the eight-time Solheim Cup star. You think, what's the shock there, Elliot? What's the shock there? Fantastic song. Well, Cup she's Cup. only played twice in two years because she's had a baby. Yeah. And I kind of thought that she'd semi-retired, but clearly not. Yeah, so, yeah massive you, boost for Team yeah. Europe. Well, you say that. I, well, hopefully she plays well. We saw last year in the Ryder Cup but actually... Picking someone with a load of experience in the form of someone like Garcia or something like that does really help. Um, Pedersen has had a bit of controversy in the Solheim Cup previously. Last time out, Europe were well ahead and then a, a controversial non-conceded putt by Pedersen seemed to fire up the Americans for a final day singles comeback. So maybe she's looking to try and uh, overcome those demons. And also you've got to feel a bit sorry for Mel Reed. Mel Reed's just missed out on playing, looks like she's now going to be a vice captain. Um, but Mel Reed's been playing pretty well this year and finds herself replaced by someone who's only played twice. A bit harsh. Uh, no, if you don't qualify for the team, you don't have a right to be on it, do you? Albeit though, Bronte Law didn't qualify, but she definitely deserves to be on it. So Bronte Law got a pick, as did Celine Boutier and Jodie Hewitt shut off another English woman. So there's four. Brits, sorry, there's four English women on the team, um, but they haven't won it in three editions now. Yeah, they had a big All, chance last year. Albeit, time. I think the US are quite weak. I think the Solheim Cup's quite weak, actually. When you look at the strength in Asia, European and US golf is yeah, what if, it used to yeah, be. European and USA might be well mixed, you know. It might be actually got quite an exciting tournament. Who's your favourite player in the European Solheim Cup team? Um, you know this. Do I? Yes, the one with the, the swing that you like a lot. Oh, Anne Van Dam made yes. it. She's a rookie, one of three rookies on the team. And she is someone who has got an incredible golf swing. If you check her out on social media, you'll see that she's just got very, very pure stride. And she's someone who could 
really be the star of that team, don't you think? Yeah, definitely. Played well last week in Scotland. Hits it miles. Um, I don't really think there's been many Dutch women on the Solheim Cup team in recent years. So, yeah, a new bit of impetus there. Yeah, should be really good. So, something else to look at. There's President's Cup coming up as well. There's lots of cups and things to be won over the coming months. Uh, yeah, we've got the American Solheim Cup team named on the 25th as well. Yeah. So, moving on quickly, we have the quiz. Now, last week was a bit of a controversial quiz. Elliot was accused of cheating. I stand by those accusations. So this time he's been kept well away from the quiz questions. Been very quiet. Well, Sam's it? actually remembered to print them out this yeah, week. Yeah, Sam's actually done his job as well. So um, at the moment, it says here that you lead 1914. Uh, yeah, quite a big lead there. Well, After yeah. you pulled it back, I think you won three in a row. Yeah. Okay, last, year, uh, last week wasn't great. So we've got 10 new questions. Play along at home. Let us know how you do. So, question one. Dustin Johnson has held the 36-hole lead on the PJ Tour 18 times. How many of those did he convert into wins? Closest wins. I have no idea. Question two. Tommy Fleetwood flirted with the cut line in New Jersey this weekend but managed to continue his remarkable streak. Can you tell me in what tournament he last missed his last missed cut came in? Note need tournament and year only one point. This is a particularly tricky first questions. Do you know both of them? No. I had a guess though. Yeah, I've also had a guess. Question three over one year, what is the... <laughs> well, this is an impossible question. Over one year, what is the best cumulative score to par in FedEx Cup history? Well, I don't even understand what that means. Over one year, what is the best cumulative score to par in FedEx Cup history? So is that saying over the whole year? Yep, the entire season. How many under par did someone go? Yeah. <sighs> random numbers out of the air isn't it yeah Sam you're going to have to make some tea question four Patrick Reed won the Northern Trust this weekend for the first time for his first win since his Masters victory but can, but can you tell me his middle name oh I can't no I can't either it's trickier when you don't know the answers isn't it Elliot? Question five. There are four players who are currently under 30 years of age and have seven PJ Tour wins, including a major. Patrick Reed is one. Who are the other three? There are four players who are currently under 30 and have seven PJ Tour wins, including a major. Patrick Reed is one. Who are the other three? I think he means at least seven, doesn't he? And have. Um, yes, must do. How many names am I allowed to write down? It's only three. Okay. Question six. How many Korean golfers are in the world's top 20 in the women's Rolex rankings? Closest wins. These are utterly impossible, these questions. Question seven. Charlie Hull was one of the automatic qualifiers for the European Solheim Cup team announced this week. 
How many cups has she played in up to this point? I think I know. Maybe, maybe not. Question eight. Which three golfers have won the most FedEx Cup playoff events? Point each. I'm just completely guessing here. Question nine. Who is the only South American golfer to win a FedEx Cup playoff event? And question 10. In what year did the Western Open become the BMW Championship? Wow, that's a tough one. Nearest wins? Doesn't say here. This is a very hard quiz. How do you think you got? Uh, I wouldn't want to guess. <laughs> okay. Hopefully 10. <laughs> you got 10. There's going to be another official complaint. Question one. Dustin Johnson has held the 36th hold lead on the PJ Tour uh, 18 times. How many of those did he convert into wins? Closest wins? 14. Oh, I've said 10. Nine times. Really? Boom. DJ. That's shocking. Question two. Tommy Fleetwood flirted with the cut line in New Jersey this weekend, but managed to continue his remarkable streak. Can you tell me in what tournament his last miscut came in? Need tournament in a year. 2018 Memorial Tournament? Well, well, I said 2018 The Open. Which he probably finished second in or something, didn't he? He made the cut there. Yeah. 2018 Open de France. Oh, I was going to put that as well. There's no points. Over one year, this is the, the question. Over one year, what is the best cumulative score to par in FedEx Cup history? It doesn't even say closest wins here. So, I mean, what are we supposed to nail it? I'll do a closest wins with you if you okay, like. Okay, let's do a closest win. Uh, I've gone for minus 190. Really? Oh, I might. Well, I've said 628. Oh, I've got to be closest, <laughs> surely. They only played 20 tournaments. What? 59 under par? Sweet. That doesn't even make sense, does it? Yeah, they only play about 20 tournaments. That's an average of three under a week. What? I don't know. Well, They're probably going to shoot 10 over in the US Open, maybe, if they have a bad week. That brings it down. Either way, I got the point, so I'm I happy. I can't believe that's true. I'm going to look at... I'm going to put a steward's inquiry on that one. Question four. Patrick Reed won the Northern Trust this Open for his first win since his Masters victory, but can you tell me his middle name? I said John. I said Reginald. <laughs> it's Nathaniel. No. <laughs> oh, that's quite funny. Uh, <laughs> question five. There are, four, there are four players who are currently under 30 years of age and have seven PJ Tour wins, including Major. Patrick Reed is one. Who are the other three? Do we do one at a time? Yeah. Justin Thomas. Jordan Spieth. Uh, Kupka. Yeah, I got those three. Cook, Gaspeef, Thomas. One, two, three. Six. How many... Here we go. How many Korean golfers are in the world's top 20 in the women's Rolex rankings? Closest wins. I said 12. I said seven. Ooh. Ugh. Eight. That's a horrible question. Seven. Charlie Howell was one of the automatic qualifiers for the European Solheim Cup team announced this week. How many cuts has she played in up to this point? Three. I think it's two. 
It's three. Yeah, she's played twice in America, <laughs> once in Europe, I think. This is going horrendously wrong. Question eight. Which three golfers have won the most FedEx Cup playoff events? I, I, I'm nearly saying who cares, but uh, go on. Should we um, do, go on, you start this time. DJ? Yeah, I've put DJ. Well, I, I've why ticked, you I, don't, I, don't, I don't know why I've ticked it. I don't know if it's right. I've said Kucha. Okay, I've said McElroy. Oh, and I, then I also said Spieth. I said Reed. Oh. Is so, it a point for each? Uh, yes. So. Okay. Tiger. Okay, I didn't put that. <laughs> DJ Rory. Oh, so I got two. Oh, Did got you get one? one. <sighs> <laughs> oh, this is hard work. Who is the only South American golfer to win a FedEx Cup playoff event? Camilo Vajegas. Oh, is that right? He won two. Oh, I said Grio. The Asians, yeah. Oh, this is turning into a drubbing. Question 10. In what year did the Western Open become the BMW Championship? 2008. I said 2010. 2007. Oh. Nine I, out of ten again. Well, it's not nine, because it's more than ten, isn't it? So. Oh, yeah, true. Nine. I got a huge six. Disaster. Anyway. Uh, great quiz, Sam. Hope you all did well there, listeners. And uh, uh, yeah, you, would, you won't have done because it was impossible, but um, never mind. Thanks for listening. Next week, we'll hear from nine-time major champion Gary Player and look back on the BMW Championship and also the Czech Masters. Also, remember to su- subscribe to the podcast, plus rate and review us, and do follow us on social media at Golf Monthly on Twitter and Instagram and Golf Monthly Magazine on Facebook. Elliot. Have a fantastic week. Yeah, have a good week yourself. Indeed. Um, Enjoy uh, week two of the FedEx Cup playoffs. Yes, I can hardly wait. What do you think Tiger's going to do? I think Tiger will be watching it on TV. Yeah, I think he'll be watching as well, like us. Yeah. Okay, until then, until next week, see you later.